Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, The title of my sermon this morning is Handle with Care. We all know that when you see that on any box or any item, you know that it's toxic material. It could be flammable. Uh, And we're going to read in a moment from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus begins to deal with the things that are toxic in our lives. So I invite you to listen for God's word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say you fool... You'll be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift. Leave it there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge. And the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you'll never get out until you've paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here's a question for you this morning. What do you like when nobody's around, when nobody's watching? How do you behave when there's no external constraints? Do you behave differently than you do normally? I mean, we live in a pretty mobile society. It's not uncommon that we might find ourselves in a different city on business or uh, for pleasure or something where nobody knows us. How do you behave then? I can remember when I was young, as a child, uh, it was always great when mom and dad were gone, right? (laughs) Because the external constraints were gone, and you could behave differently. Uh, Maybe you remember at some point when you were young that, you know, when mom and dad weren't looking, you took a shot at your brother or sister, you know, so that they would take a shot at you and they'd be caught. Um, Or maybe it was when you went off to college that freshman year. All the external constraints are gone now, right? Nobody's monitoring your behavior. And for a lot of freshmen, it means more than just putting on 15 pounds, uh, when the external constraints are gone, you find out whether there's any internal restraint. Today's text from the Sermon on the Mount begins what is called the six antitheses, where Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. They're not actually antithesis, uh, but he changes the understanding of the commandment. The external law gets internalized. The teachings of Jesus go beyond what the law demands. They fulfill or they complete what the law demands. They go deeper to the places where our actions actually spring from, where anger and resentment gets nurtured into grudges and contempt for others. It's there that we have to confront the problems within. 
It's not enough to simply restrain ourselves from doing harm to others. We actually have to take the action earlier when the desire comes in to seek revenge, to lash out, or to strike back in some way. So now this is not a story I normally tell people. I have told it here before, but it was, I think, 10 years ago. And this is my best friend's favorite story in my life because I think he likes me to be humiliated. (laughs) But it was a cold and it was a rainy Saturday morning, not unlike Friday this week. As was my custom on Saturday morning, I would go and play basketball for several hours. So I'd been at the gym, and after several hours of playing basketball, I had a lot of adrenaline flowing through my body. And I needed that outlet that week, because that week had been particularly difficult at work. I had been trying to solve a problem. Uh, This was when I was uh, administrator at a school, and I, I couldn't get the people who were upset about this issue not to escalate it. And try my very best, I couldn't get them to see it my way, and they filed a lawsuit against the school. And I was livid. As they say, I was fit to be tied. Court papers had been filed, and I was essentially an accident looking for a place to happen. I was just this cauldron of frustration, resentment, and anger. Now, I saw the other car coming from my left side as I pulled out of the parking lot. But I thought there was plenty of time for me to merge into traffic. However, the driver behind me took exception to what they thought was a rather aggressive driving move, apparently. So they came roaring up behind me in the car with their horn blaring. And something just kind of exploded within me. I didn't think. I slammed on the brakes so that the car couldn't get around me, threw it into park, grabbed the door, And next thing I knew, I was out of my own car, racing to the car behind me. Now, I'd like to tell you that as a minister of the gospel, what was going through my head at this moment was that surely they must have recognized me and they're in distress and they need some ministerial care. But that's not exactly what I was thinking at that moment. So I rushed to the driver's door, and the window is rolled down slightly, and I look inside, and here is a woman who is probably five feet tall and 100 pounds. It wasn't me. Yeah. (laughs) That's my wife back there, by the way. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, because our spouses always deal with our toxicity, right? I mean, so there I am. I'm standing there. I'm six foot four inches, you know, and I'm standing outside the window of her door, and we argue for several minutes. Now, I'm, I'm pleased to be able to say that it never became profane, but it was certainly not one of my finer moments. This cauldron of anger within me had found a flashpoint outside of me, 
and she received a load of resentment and frustration and anger that had nothing to do with the circumstances before us. I was off my game completely, barely tolerable even to myself as I nurtured that anger within me. We departed after hurling insults at one another about each other's driving, and we went on our separate ways. But, you know, when those kinds of things happen to you, the whole day goes sideways, right? So this day was sideways from the very beginning. The week was sideways from my perspective. But by the next morning, which was Sunday morning, even my family didn't want to have anything to do with me. They were just putting distance. And so I decided to go to church myself. Now, I'm not functioning as a pastor, so I'm sitting like you out in the congregation. But I didn't, I didn't really want to encounter anybody on that day because I was still angry and frustrated. So I slipped in after service began, like many of you do here, by the way. And uh, I slipped in and... In this particular church, there was a balcony, so I I climbed up the stairs to the balcony and I moved my way around the table uh, that was out for the bell ringers, and I slipped into the last seat in the last pew. And I opened my order of worship and I grabbed the hymnal, and as I did, the person next to me looked at me, and I looked at her and I thought, oh my God... This is the woman in the car from the... <laughs> And I, my first reaction was, thank God she didn't recognize me. <laughs> and uh, so as the service is going on, we sat next to each other, which seemed like hours. And finally, I decided I should say something. So I leaned over to her during the children's message, and I said, didn't we meet yesterday in the parking lot outside the drugstore? And her face just turned white. And she quickly shot back, because she, she had a tongue on her too, I'll tell you. She quickly shot back, Shh, be quiet, I'm trying to listen. And I went, it's the children's message. I mean, you know. <laughs> no offense, Becca, no offense. But we sat there next to each other with this moment, and it began to, I began to think, what, what must be going through her mind now? I mean, is she concluding that I'm stalking her? <laughs> this imposing frame of mine is no longer outside her car at a safe distance. I'm seated right next to her, and I'm blocking her exit. So we sat there silently for a few moments, and then I said, look... I take this to be an act of God. I owe you an apology. I acted horribly yesterday. You, you didn't deserve what you experienced from me. It's, it was out of character for me, and I apologize for my behavior. She responded quickly with a few excuses about her behavior. And I resisted the temptation to withdraw or modify my apology and get into another argument with her. So I just let it lay there. And 
Together we worshiped for the rest of that service, side by side. As we came to the conclusion of the service, I thought, oh, I don't want her to feel like she has to come up with something to say to me. I don't want her to worry about how she's going to get out of church. Or... So during the final hymn, the last stanza, I just withdrew. And I thought, you know, enough has been said. Enough has been said. Now, lest you think ministers are beyond all of this kind of thing, we sit where you sit. We deal with the same daily frustrations and resentments and sparks that can set flammable material up in our lives, and we can become toxic too. But I learned something important that day. Actually, two things. First of all, I learned that you've never really been to church until you've had to reconcile with a brother or sister that you've offended or injured in some way. That's what church is. A place where we reconcile with brothers and sisters. And I learned something else. The beauty of the gospel, the good news, is not that you don't need forgiveness. The good news is there is forgiveness when you need it. What it means to be human, the predicament that we're all in, is not the structures of society entirely around us. It's not the abuses of people in positions of power. The problem is within us. What's needed is some kind of new humanity. Our hope lies not in our ability to purify ourselves, our own lives. We can't do anything about this toxic stuff. But God's promise and God's power known to us in Christ can enter our lives and fashion within us a new heart. And God's love can absorb all that flammable material and that toxicity we find within ourselves. John Calvin put it this way. Christian doctrine is not a matter of the tongue, but of life. It's not apprehended only by the intellect or memory like other branches of learning, but it's received only when it possesses the whole soul. It must be transferred into our hearts and pass into our conduct and thus transform us into itself. That's what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I'm happy to say I never saw that woman again, and I hope she's not in the congregation today. <laughs> but there was something that was transformed within me that day and particularly my understanding of what it means to live in relationship to brothers and sisters in the community. So Jesus deepens and he expands the commandments. Thou shalt not murder. Now it includes restraint from not only harming another person, but nursing the grudges that caused the harm in the first place. That's where it begins when we carry around that anger within ourselves, not only does it do damage to others, it does damage to us. 
Worship on Sunday is meant to lead to reconciliation on Monday. The truth is, when we're motivated by anger, things rarely turn out well. Have you ever noticed that? Parents are a caution, never spank a child in anger. Why? Because you want to make sure that it's the child's best interest that you have in mind. Not your anger. Benjamin Franklin said, Whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. Mark Twain wrote, Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it's stored than to anything upon which it's poured. So Jesus seems vitally interested in what we do with the toxic stuff of our lives Who are you when no one else is watching and all the external constraints are gone? Be careful. This stuff can consume you. Whether it's a sibling, whether it's an in-law or some extended family member or a colleague at work or someone in the church or a neighbor, whether it's undocumented residents or Democrats or Republicans, whoever you nurse or nurture and nurse a grudge against. These are the words of Jesus. You have heard it said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, if you are angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. Go first, be reconciled to your brother or sister, then come and offer your gift. Twice in the Gospel of Matthew, he quotes from Hosea, where the Lord says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Maybe if we looked more seriously to the teaching of Jesus, we would have less anger. And there would be less violence that overflows in our lives and in our cities. The solution's not out there. It begins in here, in our own breast, in our own heart. So what do you like when no one's watching? May the Lord heal that which is toxic within us all. Thanks be to God. Amen.